How is everybody this morning? I got a lot of di- out of bed. It's fantastic. I'm glad we made it. I'm glad everybody made it this morning. And I would just like to start off with saying um, nobody's here by accident this morning. I, I believe wholeheartedly that God had a divine appointment for each and everybody that's here this morning. Um, he doesn't do things for naught. He doesn't waste time like we do. He has a purpose in his planning, and he plans us for a purpose. And uh, I'm excited to be here this morning, and I'm excited. I was excited yesterday. I even uh, called Brother Jerry, and I may have rubbed it in his face a little bit that he wasn't going to be here today because I was that excited about what God had gave me. And I said, you're going to miss out because it's going to be good because how great is our God? Did anybody notice at the end when the church all singing together and you couldn't even hear the music because the people in this building were unified in one voice, singing in one spirit? I got goosebumps, man. That stuff is, that stuff is so powerful. Before I get started this morning, let's please bow in the word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be in your house. Lord, and it, it truly is an opportunity. God, and we're thankful for it. God, we're, we're thankful for your grace and your mercy that you've allowed each and one of us to have. God, the sacrifice that you gave, the one and all, Lord, we're so thankful for that. God, I'm thankful for each and every person here this morning. God, I pray that each one came with a purpose. God, and that purpose was to come seeking your, your face. God, that they might change today. God, that you would change them today. God, that you would change me today. God, that I would live a life more fuller and more holy and more righteous than a life I've ever known before today. God, you have that power. God, I believe that you want us to live that life. God, we're here this morning. Lord, worshiping you in one spirit. God, seeking your face like never before. God, we pray for those that can't be here for whatever reason it is. God, whether they're traveling or they're sick or hurting, God, that you would just show them your love. God, that you would put people in our path to go talk to, that we might show a little bit of your love to them. God, we're thankful to be used by you, to be able to do your work. God, we pray that everything that's been done and said so far this morning Lord, would just put a smile on your face. God, we pray that everything going forward would benefit the kingdom. Lord, that we can do your work. And God, I just pray that you be with every heart, mind, and soul in here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I got excited. Uh, I feel like this is one of my truest passions. Um that the Lord has given me, and that's bringing passion back to God's children. And uh, so when he was giving me this word, I just had a stirring inside of me, and I got excited because the title of my sermon today is Serving God with Passion. Um, you know, we, we say that we do a lot of things with passion, and that we seek things with passion. 
But what are people going to see in you that you truly sought with passion? You know, you hear it at funerals and stuff. You know, he had a, a passion for life or or my passion is baseball, or my passion is basketball, or, or my passion is my family. But as the Bible tells us, we've got to get back to our first love. We've got to realize what our passion should be, and our passion should be for God, and seeking Him in everything, and in anything, in every person, in everything we come across, we should seek God. And I believe that serving God with a passion and desiring His heart on your life will be noticeable by other people. I believe that if you start seeking God with passion and you start serving God with passion, other people will recognize what you're doing and how you're acting and how you're treating and how you're reacting. We talked about Paul this morning in Sunday school. And how great of a man of passion for God that he was. But I'm going to start out, I, I look up the definition of a lot of words that I don't necessarily know what the definition is. And the definition of passion is strong and barely controllable emotion. Amen? <laughs> you ever seen people just burst out in tears when they're praying to God or singing to God? Barely controllable emotion. The second one is an object of desire or deep interest. What are we truly desiring in our life? Do we desire a happy family? Do we desire a nice home? Do we desire money in a bank account? I can tell you what God's word says. If you desire him first, he will take care of the rest of these things. The third one, it says intense, driving, or overmastering feeling or conviction. When I was looking up the definition of passion, it made me ask the question, am I serving God with passion? At my funeral, will people say that he had a passion for life? Will they say that man truly had a passion for God? You can have a passion for mission and a passion for evangelism and a passion for ministry and those are all good things but if you don't have a passion for God then all those things are for naught. Because you can take them scripture or you can take them the heart of God. Because when we truly seek God with passion everything that we do will have passion in it. Because when we allow God to pour into us because we're seeking Him so truly, people will see that inside of you. People will see that flowing out of you. I got excited yesterday so much about the word that God had given me that I had to call somebody. When's the last time that you got so excited about what God was doing that you had to call somebody? Misty laying in bed last night, she was on the verge of, of sleep and we were kind of visiting and I said something and she just just like that's it and I'm like I missed something what what happened she's like what you just said and I'm like I don't I don't know what I just said and she's like you just made me realize 
what I was praying for is being answered right in front of me. Amen? And she was excited, and she rolled over, and she started doing, looking up Scripture and stuff on her phone, and she started looking at her notes that she had wrote down about the prayer because it was exciting. It was exciting what God was doing in that moment. The prayer she had prayed was being answered as we laid there in bed, and she was excited about what God was doing. Amen? You ever get excited because you start serving God with your whole heart? And he starts pouring into your life and you can't believe the way he's blessed you? How great is our God? He's great enough to pull a sinner like me in and to use me. That's how great our God is. And I'll tell you that if he can use me, he can use any of you. Because I'm just as bad as the next. But my God is gracious, and He is merciful, and He has purpose for me. And once we realize that God has purpose for us, we can start serving Him with passion. We start pouring out our whole heart to the things that He would have for us, whether it be in word, or in prayer, or in action, or in forgiveness. God is so multidimensional. His passion will flow from you like you've never seen before if you want it to. There's a pastor of a big church got asked. He said, Why is your church one of the fastest growing churches in the world? His answer was pretty simple. He said, It's not because... I've been to seminary. He said, it's not because I have a college degree. He said, it's not because my father was a pastor before me. He said, it's because I allow God to set me on fire and people come to watch me burn. I got goosebumps. He said, I allow God to set me on fire and people come to watch me burn. Jeremiah said the same thing. God, I want to quit you. And God said, no, you're not. I've put a burning inside of you that you will not be able to keep inside, that you have to keep going, and you have to keep sharing, and you have to keep doing good, because that's what I've placed inside of you. I've placed this burning inside of you that has to come out. Has anybody asked for that burning? Has anybody asked for God to set you on fire? God, I'm so willing right now to do whatever that you want me to do. Serve in whatever capacity that you want me to serve. Go wherever you want me to go. Because God, I desire you. And I desire your purpose on my life. God, and I just want to serve you. Nothing else matters. God, I desire you. I'm passionate about you. I'm passionate about your words. I'm passionate about your grace and your forgiveness. God, I want to serve you with passion. God, put it inside of me that I might burn. That it would be uncontrollable. That my emotions would pour out wherever you would have to pour them out because I'm so full right now that I'm overflowing and I can't hold it inside. Paul was a lot like this. We're going to start in Philippians chapter 1. 
Oftentimes we resort back to our day of salvation because we were excited about what God was doing in our life. And that was the most exciting thing that was happening right then because, let's face it, you went from an eternity in hell to an eternity in heaven as soon as you asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. That was a changing point in your life to now you have new goals. You have new direction. You now have purpose in your life. Because you've said, Christ, I know I can't do it alone. I need you. I'm a sinner. David even says he wants to go back to that place because he wants to feel that passion. He wants to feel that burning. He wants to get stirred inside. He wants to make a difference. I heard a quote. It says, Our enemy cannot steal our salvation, but he will try to make it so that we can't remember what it was like to be lost. It says, He can't steal our salvation, but he will try to make us forget what it was like to be lost. Does anybody remember pre-salvation days, what their life was like? I remember mine all too well. Not a whole lot of purpose going on. Doing a lot of things that I'm not proud of today. I don't believe that I was helping anybody besides myself. Pretty self-driven. In Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 12... I'll give you the background on this. Paul is setting in prison. He is setting in prison, writing this letter. He said, But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident of my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Yeah, and I will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that I with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not. For I am in a strait betwixt between two, having a desire to part and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul's sitting in prison. He's sitting in prison knowing the fact that he might die there. He's not wallowing in his sorrows. He's not looking at how bad his life is. He's saying, 
God, I'm here because I was preaching the gospel that nobody can find fault in what I'm doing. They may kill me, but that's okay because guess what? God, I'm coming home. Amen? It's a, it's a win-win for us. Once you choose Christ, it's a win-win. It doesn't matter. He's saying, I'll be glorified either way, God. Your kingdom will be glorified because of my actions. The way you've purposed me, the purpose that you had on my life. Make it so that your kingdom will be glorified in whatever happens. Because I'm going to serve you if I stay here, or I'm going to serve you till my death. It doesn't matter, because either way, I'm proclaiming your name, because I'm a man of passion. And I've seeked you, and I've found you. That's so awesome. This dude's in prison. The prisons aren't like they are today. A little more uncomfortable back then. You know, a lot, of, a lot of whipping and beating and no food, no water. And they really just kind of would take you to the brink to let you suffer just before you died. And then they'd bring you back so that you might suffer a little longer. Paul is saying, God, I'm going to serve you. And I'm going to act and react in a way that's going to be beneficial to your kingdom. Because, God, I love you. God, you're most important. God, I seek you. And the passion that you've put inside of me will not burn out. It will not be put out because it's an everlasting eternal fire that burns inside of me because I love you so much. Why isn't the church there? Why aren't we seeking that at least? I don't understand why people don't want to burn for the Lord. Why they don't want to get set on fire. Why they don't want to walk in a way that would glorify Him in everything that you do. You say, Pastor, well, I'm just flesh and we're born into sin and and things happen and and life happens. And I get all of that because I'm there with you. I'm walking with you, not better than you with you. Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ there to lift one another up. But saying because we're born in sin is not an excuse not to desire God. We've made far too many excuses and used these things as crutches not to desire God. Your desire for God has nothing to do with the life that's going on around you. Paul is sitting in prison desiring what God has for him. Whether it be life or death, he doesn't care either way. God, I'm yours to be used. I want to glorify your kingdom, God. I'm looking towards you. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both will and to do of his good pleasure. Here's a good one for you. This one's the tough one. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Man. <laughs> I'm like, Kenny, there's some of these things that I wish wasn't in there. But hello, they are. says, for it is, in verse 13, I'll back up, for it is God which worketh in you both to will 
and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. I'm going to put a hard one on you, and I'm going to put a hard one on me, because I just got it earlier in the week than you guys are getting it. How come the church is not shining into the world? It seems as though a lot of the world is shining into the church. Verse 15, it says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God. Who gets excited about that anymore? Who's overflowing with pride? The good kind of pride. To be a child of the king anymore. I'm different. Not better, but I'm different because I have a Savior and a God that loves me. And I know where I'm going when I die. Not because of me, but because of Him. Who gets excited about being a son of God? Without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, there is power in the blood. Amen? Just like the song. It's not... For not, it's for good because there's truly power in Jesus' blood that stands us out, makes us different so that we can face a perverse and wicked generation when it throws stuff at you because you are different. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain, yeah, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. Amen? There's a whole lot of joying and rejoicing going on there. I'm not seeing it anywhere. We should be seeing it. We should be joying and rejoicing in every situation, in every standard that God puts you in a place. I can give you this example. If you're going into the missionary field and you don't serve God with passion and you go there and you're standing up in front of a crowd that can't understand you behind a podium trying to share the word of God and a, a team of rebel bandits come in and they trash everything and they tear it down and they burn your book. Are you going to show up tomorrow? Because you've got a passion for God and what God is going to do with you while you're there. I can tell you it's the same here as if you were in a foreign country. Because the world is coming at you and they're going to trash you. And they're going to try to tear down the platform in which God gave you to stand. But according to his word, I can joy and rejoice in the matter because there's no fault in me. Because I stand for God and the godly things of my life are righteous and pure. And that's what I want to seek. And I want to seek them with passion so that when they come after me, I can withstand the storm. Because Christ is my anchor. Amen? The passion in the church is gone. I'm not saying you have to worship with your hands in the air, but if God is calling you to do that, don't deny the power of the Spirit. And you better stand. And you better put your hands in the air because we're here seeking God. 
This is not a social gathering. This is a gathering of God's children seeking His advice, seeking His forgiveness, and avoiding a world of persecution that awaits for when you step outside the door. We talked this morning in Sunday school how much joy and passion we would have if our life depended on it when we gather together like this. I feel overall that we're pretty soft in America because we're granted the freedoms to gather freely. How many people would show up in my basement to read the last copy of God's Word because they've got everything else and they're promising that if they will find you with it, they will kill you and your family. Paul says, I'll rejoice in those times because I'm seeking what is righteous and I'm seeking what is pure. And if death be the case, I'll die blameless because I sought God in everything that I was doing. And my death won't be for naught because I'm going to glorify the king in every circumstance. Even at the knife blade or the end of a gunpoint, I'm going to glorify my God because he's worth glorifying. And I'm seeking him always in everything that I do. That other people might stand with me and seek the same passions as me. He tells us in the unity of the spirit in Ephesians to gather together like-minded people because there's power in numbers people need to start getting excited I don't want to gather with a, a slumbering group that's not truly seeking the Lord and all they do is to, to gather and, and gossip about the things that went on that week and then read one set of scripture at the end and pray because that's how they've always done it I don't want a group that gathers together because they're here to seek Christ and they're here to seek God's answers and they want to get into Scripture because that's God's Word and that's how we learn and they want to close in prayer because they care about the people that are there and they care about the people that are missing not because we have to, because we get to. Not because we have to, but because we want to. I want to sing hymnals. I want to read God's word. I want to spend time in prayer. I want to pray with my family. I want my kids to pray. And God says, if you want me 100%, if you desire me 100%, I will be there. We've got to be a group of people that want to shine a light in this world. We have got to be a group of people that want to stand out, that want to step up, that want to be happy because they're a child of the king. It's not a burden to be a child of the king. It's a blessing. Sometimes, standing behind this pulpit, your views get a little bit skewed. And sometimes, what the Lord wants us to do isn't always what we want to do. We talked about contentment this morning. Three days before I was called to preach, I was praying with God on a tractor brush hog, and I said, God, I'm truly content where you have me in my life. God has a purpose for us. God has a plan for us. But the fact that I was talking to God made me a viable member in his army to be used. 
because I was seeking him in my life at that juncture. And I've continued to seek him more and more because he trains his army. And there's going to be an army in the last day. And he's training us to stand up. And he's training us to have more faith. And he wants us to have more passion. And he wants us to seek more diligently. What father in here wants their kid to just walk away from them? And he says, I'm a way better father than you ever thought you could be. He wants his kids to seek him. He wants his sons and daughters to look for him. And not just look for him, but to look for him with passion. To seek his answers. To say, God, I'm yours. I don't want me anymore. I've tried me and me doesn't work. God, I want you. I want you and what you have for me. And I'll tell you one thing. God knows your heart. You can give him a lip service all you want. But God knows your heart and he can read it. I prayed for years for God to use me. And never once did he use me in a way I thought was acceptable. Years I prayed for God to use me. Until one night I found myself sprawled out in our kitchen floor crying out to the Lord face down on the ground because I had this overwhelming, barely controllable emotion hit me that I needed to get on my face and I needed to pray to God with everything that I had. And I surrendered to God that night and I said, God, wherever, whenever, I am here. After years of praying that, that night I said it with my heart. I said it with my heart and God knew it. God knew that I was ready. If God calls you to something, know that he's going before you. I've had so many conversations this week with people in places And it was some conversations that I dreaded because I didn't know the reaction. But I had to have these conversations. And God has showed me this week more than ever that I go before you, son. I prepare hearts and minds to receive your word ahead of you. I'm guiding their path just the same as I'm guiding yours. All you have to do is be submissive. All you have to do is react when I tell you to go. So many of the people says, I called them to go wherever. I dropped everything. I went. It really is that simple. There's no hidden tricks behind it. It really is that simple. But you have to desire what God has for you. You have to desire that relationship. You have to want it. Because it is not natural. Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to keep reading for Paul because Paul just, man, he gets to me. Colossians chapter 1 starting in verse 9. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. 
the acknowledgement of what God would have for your life. Have we ever prayed for it? It gets hard when you're suffering. Whatever it be, addiction, lusting, relationship problems, friendship problems, parent problems, kid problems. We want to pray all the time for God to take the burden. We want to pray, God, take this hurt, take this pain. There's a time that we should stand up and we should pray, God, what is it that you would have for me in this situation? God, I know you're in it because you say that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. So, God, I know you're here. Open my eyes a little bit to how we're going to get through this, to what I'm going to be stronger with on the other side. Because, God, I know that you tell me in rough times you're breaking me so that you can build me. And, God, you do everything for the benefit of my good. So I know on the other side of this valley there's a hill where I'm going to shine brighter than the last hill I just stood on. Because, God, you are so good. Look for his will. Paul is praying. He's praying right here that they will find the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that they might know or just have a little glimpse of what God is doing right now. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which he hath made us meet, be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Amen? What a passage that is. That's a power passage. You can go to it in times of trouble, and you can seek God in everything that he has for you with passion. We need more Pauls. I know Christ is the example, but when you get down to the human humans, Paul is another good one. His passion for God in everything. And he overcame a lot because God saw his passion. God knew what kind of faithful servant he was. And God used him in all of his glory. But then right there, he says, starting in verse 12, starting in verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father. Paul knew it wasn't him. Paul knew it had nothing to do with him. Paul was simply a tool in the hand of God. Paul was a tool in the hand of God, allowing him to swing it for all he had. Because Paul desired God. Paul desired God in every way possible. I'm going to flip over to 2 Timothy. 
I believe that this is the last letter that Paul wrote. Timothy was a young man that Paul had nurtured and trained up. And many times called Paul called him his spiritual son that he had reared and showed the ways. Paul's getting up in time. He's in prison again. And he's pretty sure he's not going to make it out. 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 2. He says, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. I'm going to stop right there. Does everybody realize once you become a child of the king, that you have a ministry? Everybody has a ministry. Once you become a child of the king, you have a ministry. Whether you want to take responsibility for that ministry or not, hey, I don't know your heart, but I can tell you that you have a ministry, and you're either building God's kingdom or you're taking away from it. So when you have your ministry, he says, make full proof your ministry. The platform that God has given you, even as it is simple as being a child of the king. You have a platform. You have a ministry. You have a testimony. Go to work. Go to work. Because we're now children of the king. Verse 6, it says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them also that love his appearing. Paul, this man to the death, it did not matter to him what his circumstances were on this earth. It did not matter. He pursued God. He pursued God with everything that he had, willing to sacrifice his own life in the pursuit of God. Sometimes when we're standing there with our own personal problems and, and we're worried about what's going to happen, we can rest assured that if we seek God first, everything else is going to be okay. And when you get on those good times, seek God with passion until you can learn to seek God with passion in the bad times. Always evolving, always working, always trying to get better, always seeking God more. I always say it starts, it's exercise, it's training. You've got to start somewhere. Even if you didn't do it yesterday, do it today. If you forget tomorrow, do it Tuesday. If not, five minutes. If you don't have ten minutes that you can't pull out of your day, 
Give it five minutes. Give it five minutes. At least open your Bible. I mean, some of us haven't done that in a while. Let's just be honest. At least open it. And then close it. Maybe tomorrow, you know, you can read the index. And I'm not poking fun, but I'm serious. It has to start. You have to have a beginning place. You have to start. You have to have a building point. And when you accept Christ as your Savior, you have that rock-solid foundation to go off of. So I, I want you today to, to analyze yourself and say, am I really seeking God with passion? Am I really seeking God with everything that I've got? Because Paul wasn't worried about the death because he knew he was giving God everything that he had. He was not scared of what was to come because he knew that in seeking God, everything else would be okay. He knew this. We know this. We know it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. God, I know that you tell me if you seek me thirst, everything else will be okay because you're a good father. You're a good father. The church has lost its passion. And I'm not talking about passion for missions or passion for evangelism, but their passion to seek God's face. Their passion to seek God's will in their life. Their passion to see God's purpose above their own. We're missing passion. That overwhelming feeling that you can't control. A deep desire. A burning within. If you haven't ever prayed for a burning, I hope that you get to a point that you could pray that God would strike a fire in you that you couldn't control. And guess what? The world's going to call you radical. And you're going to be different than everybody else. That's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to live radically. Paul, do you think he was viewed as a normal person? He was setting in prison for the things that he said. I pray that I have the stamina and the courage to stand before a government that would be trying to take away my right to serve my God, that I could stand and say, I don't care. I will serve my God with my passion and my love. And I pray that I'm not the only one standing there. We've got to make it back to the beginning. It's truly simple. It's truly simple. We overcomplicate things. Love God with all your heart. Seek God with passion. And then surrender to His purpose. If you would, please stand with me this morning. We're going to open up the altars. I would just ask today that if there's a little room inside of you to give God a little more, 
that it starts with today. That you would want to do it today. That you would want to say, God, I want to sacrifice more of me to get more of you. I want to know what your purpose is on my life. God, I want to know what you would have for me. Jesus had purpose as we stand here and we look at the cross. Jesus had purpose. He knew what his purpose was. He knew why God designed him. See God with everything that you've got and he will show you the way. The altars are open. Come seek God with all that you've got.